Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for November 13th, 2023. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings. Wherever you may be. War games, fast approaching, man. A lot of questions were answered tonight. Who's going to be the fifth man for the Judgment Day? We got that answered in the main event tonight as Drew McIntyre turns heel. Finally, the heel turn is complete. The heel turn is official. And he will be the fifth man for the Judgment Day at War Games against Cody and his band of friends. Drew McIntyre's been the most intriguing character on Monday Night Raw for several, several weeks now. The deterioration of babyface Drew has been excellent television. And it kind of came to a climax at the Crown Jewel show in Saudi when he wrestled Seth Rollins for the World's Heavyweight Championship. Probably the best championship match that Seth Rollins has had in his entire reign so far this year. I think a lot of people kind of felt that with that, it was going to get a lot worse for Drew McIntyre. He just kind of had this way about him where he was going to eventually turn, whether it was going to be on Rollins or whether it was going to be what we saw tonight. He shook Rhea Ripley's hand. The deal that he did not take before Crown Jewel, he went back and said, you know what? You were right. Shook her hand and now has seemingly turned heel. And this was great because earlier in the evening, Drew McIntyre approached Seth Rollins, not the other way around. Rollins was walking to his locker room after the opening match. And he was approached by Drew McIntyre, who put his hand out and wanted to shake his hand. And McIntyre said, I've wanted to do this ever since Crown Jewel. Shook his hand and then told Seth, I'm going to go back and do what I always do. And that is work my ass off and get back to that title shot and earn it. Clearly, he was full of shit. And ended up betraying the baby faces, or in this case, Seth, joining Judgment Day and taking Rhea Ripley up on the offer that she made several weeks back. I love it. I love it. It was great. Now, this is definitely concrete evidence. And I guess we're going to have to live with this. I still don't agree with it, 
but we're going to have to live with it because nothing is really going to change from this point on. SmackDown is getting a War Games via the ladies, and Monday night is getting a War Games via this match, the Judgment Day versus Cody. Now, it can, obviously. You see it working out. You see it playing out on television. You see how, you know, even though they wanted to do the men's War Games match on Monday and Monday only and not include the bloodline, it still worked out in the end, and it's still going to be a very hot match. And it's still going to be riddled with booking and, you know, obviously now the rumored return of Randy Orton. What's going to happen with Damian Priest with some of the seeds that he planted tonight? You know, I'm always going to be in the camp of what if? I'm always going to be in the camp of, man, is this the best I got? And you can't blame me for that, man. I'm always wanting better television. I'm always here to give you guys the alternative to how you could book the show and make the show better. I just don't think that keeping the men's war games match on Raw makes the match better. Because then you're leaving a lot of people off the Survivor Series. And with some of the rumors going around and some of the things that we actually talked about, uh, I don't really see war games or Survivor Series, I would say, being more than just the two war games matches. Right now, there really isn't anything else to sink your teeth into as far as the pay-per-view is concerned. So we will touch upon those things again. I'm going to reiterate those things again to you guys tonight. But McIntyre joins the Judgment Day. He is now the fifth man. Not really official yet, but you can see where it's going with Drew McIntyre joining the Judgment Day. They got five. Cody and his team only has four. It's Cody, Sammy, Jay, and Seth Rollins. Now, everybody's going to be wondering, who's the fifth man on, on, on Team Cody? Who's the fifth man on Team Cody? No, it's not CM Punk. No, it's not CM Punk. I don't think CM Punk is showing up at Survivor Series. I think you guys need to get that out of your fucking heads. CM Punk is not showing up in Chicago. If he does, again, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking take the hat off and I'll do the review without a fucking hat on. CM Punk's not showing up at Survivor Series. It's too predictable. Got people arguing with me on my last video in the comments section. It's best if he shows up in Chicago. Like, we didn't fucking get that. How many times with Tony Khan and AEW, man? That ship has been fucking run into the goddamn ground. We don't need to see it again. Yeah, let's bring CM Punk back in Chicago, man. That'll really rock the wrestling world. Like, we didn't fucking see that six other times before this. Royal Rumble, if it's Punk. Punk is not showing up on Team Cody. I'm sorry. There are only two people, logically, that make sense here. Obviously, number one is Randy Orton. Randy Orton, the rumor is Randy Orton is returning at Survivor Series, and he fits like a glove right there. Why does he fit like a glove? Well, he's friends with Cody Rhodes, and Cody Rhodes has friends in high places. There you go. Drew McIntyre wants to be a prick. I got somebody who's just as big of a prick, who obviously has friendship to Cody Rhodes, but also has history with Drew McIntyre. So there you go. Randy Orton and Cody and the dynamic there. I don't know, man. You could swing that however which way you want. Cody can be betrayed by Randy. Randy could be the few that Cody needs to get him to WrestleMania. I don't know how you want to work that, but Randy Orton obviously is at the top of everybody's, you know, list 
as far as who's going to be the fifth man for the baby faces at Survivor Series. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Randy Orton is going to be at Survivor Series and he's going to be in this War Games match. Now, there are two things that could potentially stop WWE from making this decision. Number one, do you want to put Randy Orton in a War Games match after he has back surgery and was out for a year and a half? Kind of a, kind of a risky move if you want to be blunt about it. But he certainly does fit. The other thing as to why it might not be Randy Orton and where they may plug Randy Orton. Shinsuke Nakamura's calling out somebody. Who the fuck's he calling out? Nakamura is doing what exactly? Is Nakamura going to be at Survivor Series? I don't really think so. Maybe they give him Chad Gable after what we saw tonight. But the rumor was, or speculation was in the IWC, that Nakamura has been kind of teasing somebody to call him out, and that person's going to be Randy Orton. I mean, I don't really see what the fucking benefit in that is. Nakamura, you know, you want to build him up after he lost to Rollins twice. Having him wrestle Randy Orton at Survivor Series doesn't really do much for Nakamura. What the fuck does that accomplish? I don't like that booking decision at all. Randy Orton comes back to squash Nakamura. Meanwhile, here we are trying to rebuild this guy as a killer on Monday night. And you want to fucking have him thrown in there against Randy Orton to inevitably lose. Whoever came up with that fucking booking decision, thank Christ they're not running creative because that shit sucks. I'm sorry. I would never book that at all, ever. Don't even know why it's a thought. Could it be CM Punk that he's calling out? Sure. But for Survivor Series, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I'll wear this fucking, uh, I won't wear this hat. I'll wear this headset without a fucking hat if Nakamura eventually gets CM Punk in the ring at Survivor Series. The other name that potentially could be on the team of babyfaces, Team Cody at Survivor Series, is Kevin Owens. Now, the reason why I say Kevin Owens is for a multitude of reasons. Number one, he's friends with Cody Rhodes. Number two, he's friends with Sami Zayn. Number three, he's got history with Seth Rollins. Number four, he's accepted Jey Uso. Number five, He's got a problem with the Judgment Day just as much as those guys got a problem with the Judgment Day. So Kevin Owens does fit. Well, J.D., Kevin Owens is a SmackDown guy. Why would he be on Team Raw? I don't know. I mean, if you watch SmackDown on Friday night, Kevin Owens willingly got suspended from SmackDown. Kevin, uh, Kevin Owens went to Nick Aldis to do commentary on Friday night to fill in for Corey Graves, who was home with his wife because they just had a baby. So Kevin Owens filled in for Corey Graves. Nick Aldis says, sure, just don't get involved in anything because you're there to do commentary and commentary only. If you do, you are suspended. He laid down the law. Kevin Owens was riled up by Austin Theory and Grayson Waller on Friday night and said, you know what? I'm going to get myself suspended. So now what this could realistically lead to is clearly Kevin Owens is not going to be at Survivor Series on the SmackDown brand, maybe he meanders over to Monday Night Raw, joins his good friend Sami Zayn and his good friend Cody Rhodes, seeing that they need a fifth for the Judgment Day in War Games, and he joins Team Cody. 
Maybe Adam Pierce says, you know what? You got suspended over there. I'm going to bring you over here, and I'm going to put you on Team Cody because they need a fifth. Nick Aldis has a problem with that, and Nick Aldis goes to Adam Pierce, and he sees Adam Pierce kind of doing what he wants to do with his talent. Nick Aldis says, all right, you took Kevin Owens from Monday Night Raw's team to battle the Judgment Day. You got to give me somebody in return over here on Friday night. Which leads to the rumor of Becky Lynch joining the babyfaces against Damage Control at War Games. Now, the rumor is Becky Lynch is going to join Team Bianca against Damage Control. Becky Lynch has nothing to do with Damage Control. Becky Lynch doesn't make sense in that match against Damage Control. She has nothing to do with any of those women at all. She has history with Bianca. She has history with Charlotte. But that's about it. I don't know how else you swing it, but Becky doesn't make sense there. Nick Aldis can say, hey, I want Becky. Kevin Owens on Raw, Becky on SmackDown still doesn't make sense, but it gives the Women's War Games match a star-studded match, adding Becky Lynch. Kevin Owens goes to Team Raw and teams with Cody Rhodes and reunites with Sami Zayn. Now, that is a long shot. That's a little too convoluted. Randy Orton obviously makes the most sense, and Randy Orton fits seamlessly into that slot, and there's no real thinking there. You just plug him in. So I don't really know what they're going to do, but those are all the variables. I need to I need to bring you all the variables about what's going to happen at Survivor Series just in case something doesn't happen. We got a backup plan. But if WWE wants to swing that, sure. By all means, go and do it. I'm going with Randy Orton, though. Survivor Series is shaping up pretty nicely with the War Games matches. Everything else, I really can't say the same for. I'm slightly excited for Gunther and The Miz just to see what The Miz does with somebody in the ring like Gunther. I have a feeling they're going to deliver a low-key banger match. You know, WWE's trying to sell us on, you know, The Miz knows how to wrestle. Great. He's been there for how long? Almost 20 years? He should know how to wrestle. But that doesn't mean I'm going to become a fan of The Miz overnight. The Miz is not really entertaining with what he does in between the ropes. He's got one of the worst offensive movesets in the history of the business. He's a soft wrestler. He's not impactful at all. Nothing he does has any sense of urgency whatsoever. It's almost like he's a man cosplaying as a pro wrestler. You're going to put that man in there against Gunther? Come on. So that's shaping up to be the Intercontinental Championship match, or in fact, it is the Intercontinental Championship match. The ladies, Rhea Ripley and Zoe Stark, oh my goodness, man, you could hear fucking crickets in Washington, D.C. You could hear a pin drop and whatever analogy you want to make. The old ladies in the arena, you could have heard them pass gas. Whatever the case may be, it was as quiet as a fucking Sunday mess at your local church. Nobody cares. Zoe Stark and Rhea Ripley for the Women's Championship. Nobody fucking cares. Outside that, I don't really know where else we're going with Survivor Series. I don't. I don't. Outside those matches, it's a crapshoot. It really is. 
And again, I'm slightly disappointed as a fan at the lack of attention to everything else outside the War Games matches. As a fan, I'm genuinely dissatisfied with how WWE thinks what they are doing now is the best usage of everybody going into Survivor Series. And I say this not to sway your excitement because I'm, listen, I'm excited about the men's war games match, no matter how you want to cut it. Randy Orton coming back, Drew McIntyre, Judgment Day, the baby faces, it's hot. It makes sense. But if you're going to sit there and tell me that that match alone makes the most sense, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I'm going to reiterate that a couple more times before we get to Survivor Series. Because the way WWE has orchestrated this thing, it seemingly looks like Triple H by appointing Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis as brand-specific GMs with that move, the bloodline and the Judgment Day business went out the window. Seemingly with that move, Triple H wanted to keep the brand separate. And there goes the bloodline and Judgment Day dynamic. Thus, he's keeping the men's war games match on one brand only and not including the bloodline, which should have been paid off. Instead of doing what you're getting now, I've said Solo, Jimmy, Finn, Damian, and J.D. McDonough, who is now officially in Judgment Day as he was given the jacket by Damian Priest against Cody, Jay, Sammy, L.A. Knight, and then Randy Orton. That made the most sense. Seemingly looks like Triple H shot himself in the foot by wanting to go back to keeping the brands separate instead of playing out something that we've seen for several weeks already. Now, granted, you're going to get a great War Games match with what we've gotten right now. Randy Orton's coming back. Drew McIntyre's going to be on Judgment Day's team. But what do you do with L.A. Knight? What do you do with L.A. Knight? What do you do with Solo? What do you do with Jimmy? I have a feeling WWE is going to book L.A. Knight and AJ Styles at Survivor Series against Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso. Spare me. Or maybe they include Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns does wrestle and we get somebody else teaming with those guys, those baby faces, to make it three on three. Again, spare me. Because I do think that WWE is setting up Roman versus AJ for the Royal Rumble. Survivor Series outside the War Games matches does not look all that great. It doesn't. Maybe CM Punk is going to be there because of how weak the card looks. I don't know. WWE's got some work to do, man. And Monday night, they set up the War Games match. They got Drew McIntyre to turn heel. Outside that, absolutely zero to be excited about on Monday Night Raw. I thought tonight was a terrible show outside the beginning and the end. Everything else in the middle, which is the most important, man. Actually, you know what? If you got a shitty fucking piece of bread, the sandwich is not going to taste good no matter what the fuck is in the middle. The bread was great on this night. Beginning was great, end was great. What was in the middle was fucking stale as fuck, man. And they gave me mayo and not spicy mustard. I fucking hate mayo. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw and everything that happened on tonight's show. I want to thank you guys very much for joining me here on OTS. Tonight, 
sponsored by my great friends over at DraftKings. If you're not taking advantage of the deal that's, that DraftKings is going on with right here, you're missing out, man. All you guys got to do is sign up. Download the app. Sign up. Use my promo code JD from NY. Bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets instantly. Quick word before we get into the review from my friends over at DraftKings. What is going on, football fans? We are in the midst of the NFL season, and I'm still holding on to hope that my favorite team will be in the playoffs this year. I'll even place a bet on that. Tonight's show is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of the NFL. And right now, they have an offer you guys do not want to miss. All customers get a no-sweat bet on any same-game parlay or same-game parlay X. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use that promo code JD from NY. If you're a new customer, DraftKings has got something extra special for all of you. New customers who bet just $5 will get $200 back in bonus bets instantly. If you guys are already signed up for DraftKings, you can get a no-sweat bet on any same-game parlay or same-game parlay X bet if your bet does not hit. Max wagering limits do apply. Are you a fan of your alma mater or your favorite hometown team? You guys can combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and new customers use promo code JD from NY. Bet just $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets instantly. Once again, that's promo code JD from NY only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you guys for all the support on DraftKings. Go and sign up, man. Download the app and use that promo code JD from NY only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Go check out all the other content on the channel. There is plenty of it, man, with more coming. Late-breaking news, extras, live streams. We do it all here, man. If you guys want to keep up to date on literally everything that's happening in the world of AEW and WWE, this is the place to do it, man. The OTS venue. As always, tomorrow night, episode number 22. I think it's number 22. Myself and Andrew Baydala live with Tuesday Night Titans. We will go over all the news this week in the world of pro wrestling. The best debate show in the IWC, not even close. And it's only the beginning. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications, guys. I would really appreciate it if you do that. And hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand likes tonight on the Monday Night Raw post show right here on OTS. We got 477 likes. Absolutely unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable, man. I need a thousand minimum. Minimum. If you guys are listening on the audio side of things, thank you guys very much. Love and appreciate you guys just as much as the live people here tonight on the YouTube stream. 
you guys are listening on the audio side of things, man, I'd love if you leave a rating on iTunes or Spotify. Helps out the podcast tremendously, man. We're a near five-star rated podcast. I think a 4.8 or something like that. 4.8, 4.9. Over a thousand ratings. I'd love if we could tack on a couple of more, man. Leave me some kind words. Helps out the podcast tremendously on the charts. And like I said, tonight's show sponsored by DraftKings. Sign up, download the app, use that promo code JD from NY, and you guys are all set to go. Hey, uh, Steven Casson, the five minutes of him plugging shit is insufferable. Fuck off. Get him out. Rage, get him out. Get him out. The five minutes of me plugging shit is insufferable, man. How about you fucking go watch somebody else because they're doing the same fucking thing. Absolutely the same fucking thing. I hate people like that because the sponsorships and all that shit, you know where that shit comes from? Fucking hard work. They're not reaching out to me if I ain't doing the fucking numbers. Get him out. Get him out. That goes to show you that Stephen Casson is not a fan of what I do here because if he's complaining about that, he's the, he doesn't really want to be here. He doesn't want to be here. Get him out. Goodbye. Goodbye, Stephen. Go watch Denise. Fucking cosplay as Rhea Ripley and embarrass herself to the entire fucking community. Go fuck off. Goodbye. Don't get me started. Yeah, just for Steven, I'm going to do 10 minutes of fucking plugs at the end of the fucking show. <coughs> Cody Rhodes. He starts Monday Night Raw. Like, I'm not here for two and a half fucking hours, right? Can't stand five minutes of fucking plugs. I go above and beyond every fucking time I come live, man. And yet you still complain. Cody Rhodes. Comes out. And they got the tag team title match tonight in the main event against the Judgment Day Undisputed Tag Team Championships. Cody asked DC, Washington DC, what they want to talk about. They did the theme song and they did the fucking whoa. You know, usual Cody. He talked about creating a new memory with Jay later. He says they're going to win the tag team titles tonight and then threw it to the stage and all of his war games team comes on out. Sami Zayn comes on out. Jay Uso comes on out and Seth Rollins comes on out. We got Cody and Seth Rollins in the same segment. We got Cody doing his whoa! And then we got Rollins Doing the whoa. It's like fucking uh, American Idol out here. All we need is Simon Cowell to show up on stage. Is he even doing American Idol? What is he doing now? America's Got Talent. 
I don't know. Whatever. So they all come out. Cody says he's been friends with Sammy for a long time, Jay for a short time, and then he stared at Seth. He said he's friends with all these guys. And before he said anything, the Judgment Day made their entrance, so he didn't really address Seth in front of the live audience. Finn Balor's out there. Take a look at these four clowns. Yeah, just like Steven Casson. Look at these four clowns. He says they're not on the same page and have no chance against Judgment Day. Damien Priest called them a bunch of randoms thrown together. Priest Balor, J.D. McRib, and Dominic Mysterio stood on the ring apron and they trash talked Team Cody. Priest asked Cody what it's like to beat his partners in any match, but he can't be a champion. Balor said Sammy considers himself a world champion level superstar, but after last week, he and his partners know nothing. Or he's uh, he's a nothing but a loser. After last week, his partners know that Sammy is nothing but a loser. Priest said Jay cannot be trusted since he screwed each of them in the loyalty of the bloodline. Dominic tried to talk and then obviously uh, the uh, manufactured booze were piped into Washington, D.C., who were basically dead through most of the night. So, you know, WWE turned that shit up to 15 tonight. Sammy said the truth is no one wants to hear Dominic talk. Sammy says they can put their issues to the side because War Games is about power. Cody says he's surprised the Judgment Day was able to make it to the ring without Mommy, who he called their leader. Priest said she isn't the leader and they don't have a leader. Cody said, when mommy is gone, is Dom the leader? Or maybe it's J.D. McNugget. Priest then got angry and said, Cody, I'm the leader. Damien Priest yelled to Cody that he is the leader of Judgment Day. Finn Balor, J.D. McDonough, and Dominic Mysterio all looked at Damien Priest as if, He didn't know what he was talking about. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Who made you the leader? How dare you say that? Priest began arguing with the baby faces. Seth yelled for everybody to shut up. Seth says he's ready for a fight. He challenged uh, Dominic and J.D. McFish to a tag team match against him and Sammy. Priest said, you know what, Seth, we accept now, Priest isn't even in the fucking match. Yet he accepted on behalf of Dominic and J.D. McGrillet. McGriddle. So, Priest is now the leader. And he's making matches for the rest of Judgment Day when they aren't booked for the show. So, so Damian Priest has creative power and he's the leader of Judgment Day. Great. Great. So... We get this tag team match, Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn versus J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio. So the seeds were obviously planted here. The seeds were planted. Him yelling that he's the leader is obviously going to be brought up at a later, at a later date. No doubt about it. WWE, more, more importantly, Triple H doesn't do things like this without an end goal. The dialogue was very direct. 
That was thrown in there on purpose. They wanted you to know that. Priest wanted you to know that. He wanted the rest of the fucking judgment day to know that. That shit's going to come back and bite him in the ass. When, where, I don't know. Could be at War Games. Could be when he cashes in the money in the bank briefcase and, and fails to cash it in. Because he's the leader and they don't respect him anymore. So we got this tag team match. Rollins and Sami Zayn versus J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio. The match really wasn't all that because we've seen how many variations of this match throughout the year. I am tired of the Judgment Day and the band of Judgment Day against Cody and his band of friends and every which combination, whether it's Cody and Jay, Sammy and KO, Seth and Sammy, Seth and Cody, Seth and Jay, Jay and Sammy, Sammy and Cody. I'm over it. I'm over it. I pray to everything that is fucking holy that after war games, none of these matches and none of these men have anything to do with each other anymore because it ends in war games. Goodbye. The match itself didn't mean jack shit. It went 10 minutes and then it went to a DQ. Because the other Judgment Day guys who were not in the match came out to cause a DQ. So realistically, we wasted the first half an hour of Monday Night Raw. We wasted the first 15 minutes, first 20 minutes to set up this tag team match. And then we get a 10-minute tag team match that goes to a DQ. Pardon me while I seem unenthused about having my time wasted. We go through that entire open, which was a decent sell for War Games. But it also set up the tag team match that we got here, and the tag team match went nowhere. It didn't swing momentum to Judgment Day. It didn't swing momentum to the baby faces. This is what War Games is about. They should be going back and forth. They're on the brink of war. Yet we get a DQ after... 30 minutes of the open of the show is just completely wasted. It's great. Rollins set up for the curb stomp, but Priest and Balor interfered for the DQ. The curb stomp was on Dom. He tried to curb stomp Dom, and Priest and Balor interfered for the DQ. Priest and Balor attacked as Rhea Ripley directed traffic on the outside, so they were all out there. Jay and Cody Rhodes ran out to make the save. Everyone brawled as officials, and... A bunch of security guards ran down to separate them. Jay went to Spear Priest, but McDonough took the bullet and he saved Damian Priest. Adam Pierce grabbed the microphone and started yelling again. He was obviously upset that another match with the Judgment Day and Team Cody was ruined because of outside interference. Priest announced that everyone, or Pierce rather, announced that everyone was not involved in the tag team match. Later tonight, was banned from the arena. Rhea Ripley argued with him and asked why and started to state her case. And we go immediately to a commercial break. After a commercial break, we get back and they are still arguing. Adam Pierce and Rhea Ripley are still arguing. Rhea Ripley said Raw needed Judgment Day. Pierce yells at Rhea Ripley and says, Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. 
Penis said he runs Monday Night Raw, not Judgment Day. You don't run Monday Night Raw. I run Monday Night Raw. Priest was announced, or was about to announce that Rhea Ripley was banned, but Zoe Stark interrupted. Now, before I get to Zoe Stark, which was as fucking sleep-inducing as anything on the show, I thoroughly enjoy, the last couple weeks at least, I thoroughly enjoy Adam Pierce. I think Adam Pierce has been excellent in his role as GM. I think Adam Pierce showing anger and intensity on Monday night while his brand is headed towards war games and the whole Judgment Day dynamic is coming to a head and they are doing what they can do to cause chaos on the show and Adam Pierce is emitting that emotion. I like it. We haven't seen Adam Pierce like this in quite a while. Maybe ever. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember him ever being this angry. Honestly. He's finally put his foot down. Now, he's no William Regal. He's not, you know, William Regal announcing war games. He had a nice sell of the war games announcement. Got to give him some credit. But I think he's handled this GM role, especially in the last couple of weeks, pretty damn good, man. I like angry Adam Pierce. I do. We need more angry commissioners or angry GMs and authority figures on TV. Good stuff. I like the fact that Judgment Day was banned from ringside as well. Because obviously that set up Drew McIntyre, who was not really in Judgment Day, to cause the decision to swing in Judgment Day's favor. So I like the fact. It all played beautifully. It all played out very beautifully. Judgment Day was kicked out of the building. They weren't allowed in the building for the tag team title match at the end of the show. Rhea Ripley was not banned from the building. She made the deal with McIntyre. McIntyre's not really in Judgment Day. And then he showed face after the deal was made between him and Ripley to sway the decision in the Judgment Day's favor for them to retain the tag team titles. It's perfect. Simple, 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 but fucking great. Love it. What I don't think was great was Zoe Stark and this promo, man. My God, is she awful. She's a very good pro wrestler. But we are talking about fucking sub-levels of awful here for Zoe Stark on the microphone. Not good. I don't know how you're on the main roster and this bad on the microphone, man. It's like 50% of being a WWE superstar. She doesn't got it. Zoe said Ripley wasn't as dumb as she looked and said she must know why she's out there. Ripley wanted to hear this, so Pierce let it continue. Stark said Ripley had too much on her plate. War games, the tag team titles, Dom, and her own title. Stark warned Rhea Ripley about overlooking her. Ripley said, I wasn't overlooking you. She then said, I've been following you since NXT and knew that they would end up in the ring together. She knew that they would end up in the ring together. Ripley said Stark sent Trish Stratus packing and she beat Becky Lynch. So this is WWE's way via Rhea Ripley to relay this message to the audience so that the audience maybe has signals in their head that Zoe Stark is somewhat important. Whatever Rhea Ripley said here completely went over the fucking fan's head and nobody gave a shit. 
Nobody gave a shit that she was aligned with Trish Stratus. Nobody even remembers it. Nobody cares to remember it because it's one of the worst storylines of the entire year. And then her beating Becky Lynch. How many people remember that she beat Becky Lynch? Three people. Three people. How many fucking fans Zoe Stark has at this point? Three. The crowd was quiet until they started chanting, uh, Mommy is always on top, or they sang along when Rhea Ripley said, Mommy is always on top, which is her new thing now. Ripley said she was not spreading herself too thin. She could handle it all because she was Rhea Bloody Ripley. She told Zoe Stark to leave. Stark said she would win the title at Survivor Series. Yeah, good luck with that. Ripley tried to attack. Zoe Stark ducked and dumped her from the ring. Zoe Stark teased a dive, but Rhea Ripley backed away. Zoe Stark teased a dive off the top rope, and she almost slipped not once but twice and lost her balance. The crowd liked Rhea Ripley here. They were absolutely, and I mean absolutely indifferent, To Zoe Stark. Not a fucking care in the world about Zoe Stark. Now, Chicago may be different. Chicago's a pro wrestling crowd. Washington, D.C., they like who they like and everybody else can fucking take a walk. Zoe Stark was part of that group of, hey, take a walk. We don't give a shit about you. WWE is going to have a very, very, very difficult time with their women's division. This was only the first segment that the women had tonight. And it bombed. And the reason why this match is happening is because it's innocent enough. It is unimportant enough for WWE at Survivor Series because the ladies have war games. The men have war games. Randy Orton is returning. Nobody will remember this match. And it will be forgotten as soon as it ends at Survivor Series. And Rhea Ripley needs opponents to swallow up before she goes on to the next victim as she carries the title into WrestleMania. But we are nearing some dangerous levels of what the fuck do we do with Rhea Ripley going into WrestleMania. The only name on that roster right now is Becky Lynch. And I don't want to see... The typical Becky Lynch title match at WrestleMania. I mean, fuck off with that. You know, I'm in the mindset of, I want new talent. I want fresh matchups. I don't want the same fucking clowns, the same cast that WWE needs to give a WrestleMania title match to because they're Becky Lynch, because they're Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair, how many fucking title matches has she had at WrestleMania? I I think all of her WrestleMania appearances have been title matches, if I'm not mistaken. Same thing with Bianca Belair. And then they wonder why people are indifferent to the fucking women. Because she refused to push anybody else outside the typical faces and names. And WWE has done nothing to build up the rest of of the names in that division. Zoe Stark is failing on the main roster. She's got no personality. And if you don't if you don't agree with that, if you don't like that, bite me. Fuck off. Not to take anything away from what she does in the ring, she's a great wrestler. She could probably out wrestle anybody there. But Zoe Stark is not the type of person 
that is going to get over on the main roster. She can wrestle her ass off. But if you can't sell yourself to the audience and they don't buy into you and you start stumbling over your fucking words and you're uncharismatic as a fucking carton of regular vanilla ice cream, nobody's going to buy into you. Nobody. No matter how WWE wants to spin it, put some fucking sprinkles on top of the plain vanilla ice cream. It's still vanilla ice cream. There's nothing exciting about that. Nothing. Uphill battle is not even the start of it. After this, what happens? The crowd already doesn't care about Zoe Stark. When she loses to Rhea Ripley, she's going to look like a loser to this audience. Right back to square one. Had so many geeks, so many geeks tell me that she was going to be put over big. That she was going to be in a great position being aligned with Trish Stratus. Where did that get her now? You would think somebody that was aligned with Trish Stratus and someone that beat Becky Lynch would have the reaction of, I don't know, someone the fans cared about. Absolutely zero reaction. Zero. Shinsuke Nakamura. Maybe they need to start doing pre-tapes with Zoe Stark like they're doing with Nakamura. Maybe she would come off a little bit better. How about that one? It's working wonders for Nakamura. Dark room, red lighting, subtext, and him speaking Japanese. Maybe that's what Zoe Stark needs. His promo was directed at someone specific, but he didn't mention who. I don't know who the fuck he's talking about. I don't know who he's talking about. I really don't. He said he's frustrated. He said distractions haven't taken the focus off of him. He said he will wait for now because I know it all ends up in my hands. I don't know where we're going with Nakamura, man. How long do they take this before it starts to get boring? That's what I want to say. Nakamura is running through the Monday Night Raw roster. He's beaten Ricochet. He's beaten Otis. He's beaten Tozawa. Who else is he going to beat? Who else is he going to demolish on Monday Night Raw? Is this Randy Orton? Is Randy Orton the surprise at Survivor Series? Is he calling out Randy Orton? Probably not. Randy Orton and Nakamura doesn't make any sense creatively if you're trying to book Nakamura strong. Because by putting him in the ring with Randy Orton, you're going to make him inevitably a loser. Randy Orton fits best on Team Cody. CM Punk. Does this lead to CM Punk at Survivor Series? I don't know. Maybe if you read the fucking dirt sheets with the fucking writers who got one brain cell, maybe. I don't think Punk is showing up at Survivor Series. If he does, I do this podcast without a Braves hat on. Now, I don't know what good that would do for Nakamura if, again, we're booking Nakamura strong. Why book him strong only to feed him to a returning punk who hasn't been on WWE TV in nine years? Why? Don't get it. 
Maybe Nakamura devours the rest of the roster. Maybe this leads to a Punk-Nakamura match at WrestleMania. I don't fucking know. I don't know. Supposedly, there was a report that Triple H has CM Punk in his back pocket if he needs a major match at WrestleMania. Because where else is he going to go? Impact? Where's he going to go? New Japan? He could be the devil on AEW television. Again, I'd, I'd do this fucking podcast without a Braves hat on. If CM Punk is the devil. I'd love it for you. I'd love the devil to be CM Punk. I just don't see it. Maybe the ace in the hole. Maybe the back pocket plan for Triple H is his boy Nakamura. No idea. Don't know where we're going with this, but he's frustrated. Frustrated with what? I don't know. I was frustrated with this fucking show and lack of direction on Monday night. Otis. He goes one-on-one with Nakamura. We'll get into that, but first... Cameron was filming Seth and Sammy walking backstage. Cody approached and told Sammy, listen, can I have a one-on-one with Seth? Cody said, listen, I need you for one night. I I don't give a shit what you think of me. I don't give a shit what we've done in the past. We can hate each other for the rest of our days. But at Survivor Series, I need you. Seth says, I don't like you. And I don't know if I'll ever like you, but I respect you. He says he can be good for one night. He promised him that they are good. Seth then told Cody, now go win those damn titles. Great. Fantastic. Shutsuke Nakamura and Otis. One-on-one match here. Went about eight minutes. This was a fun match, man. For the eight minutes that it was, this was a fun match. Otis. There's something about Otis, man. Now, I'm not clamoring for an Otis singles run. I'm not clamoring for Otis to leave the Alpha Academy and go on to win major titles all by himself while he rubs his belly and the commentary team calls him a tree trunk. I don't want none of that. I think Otis is best served in a tag team with Chad Gable. But there's something about Otis, man, when he's in these one-on-one matches or he's in a tag team with Gable and he gets the hot tag. Every time Otis is in there, he's entertaining to watch. He's got big, impactful moves that the crowd is buying into. And they are all over Otis's offense, man. He just has this, this thing that resonates with the live audience. Something about him. Crowd buys into everything Otis does, whether it's a big move, whether it's a near fall. Otis has the crowd in the palm of his hand, man. It's great. It's great. Otis is great. Gable's great. Alpha Academy is great. Love them. Otis was on offense. He ran over Nakamura using his girth. To run over Nakamura, Otis was on offense after the commercial break. He had a powerbomb, back elbows, clothesline. Then he goes for the Caterpillar. He gets a two count off the Caterpillar. Nakamura responded with a Inzuguri, but Otis countered a Kinshasa into the world's strongest slam. Crowd popped big for the near fall off the world's strongest slam. Nakamura goes to the second rope. It's a knee strike off the second rope. Otis did not go down because, you know, Otis is large. Nakamura kicked his leg out and hit a Kinshasa to the back of the head. Otis did not go all the way down. Nakamura hit a second Kinshasa. 
and then a third Kinshasa, and that was enough for the win. So it took three Kinshasas to beat Otis. I like it. One didn't get the job done. The fact that it took three, you can tell where WWE, you can tell where Triple H has Otis on the list of priorities. Or or Gable, I should say. Alpha Academy on the list of priorities. They want to continue to make them look strong. Now, the segment later in the show did not do that. I could do without, without all the cringe comedy, but more shit like this, please. More serious Gable, please. I thought this was a fun match. And Nakamura, he needed to go that extra mile to beat Otis. And Otis looked great in defeat. Success. I like it. Nakamura shoved Gable as he checked Otis. Gable wanted to go after him, but Tozawa and Maxine Dupree held him back. Nakamura then taunted Gable as he backed away. Are we looking at Gable versus Nakamura at Survivor Series, I don't really consider that a pay-per-view or a PLE match. Maybe we get that next week. Maybe we get that on the go-home show. I don't know. Next week is the go-home show, isn't it? I don't know where they're going with that, but maybe we get that match announced for next week on Raw. There was a War Games video package where they explained all the rules of War Games. We've been through this already. We know what the rules of war games are. I'm not going to go over them here because we'll do that when we get to Survivor Series. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to fill you guys in on the ruling of war games. Backstage, Seth and Drew McIntyre cross paths. This was the beginning of what was to come later in the show. Drew said Seth told him that if he lost the crown jewel, he'd have no one to blame but himself. Said he was right. Said Seth also told him it could be the best thing that ever happened to him. He said there is something he's been wanting to give him since Crown Jewel. And he offered his hand for a handshake. Seth paused. He didn't know what to think about it. He shook his hand. McIntyre then told Seth he represents the World Heavyweight Championship well. He said he'll fight his way back to earn a rematch against Seth at a later date. Good guy, Drew McIntyre. Seth then patted his chest, McIntyre's chest, that is, and he says he knows that he will fight his way back to a rematch. And then he walked away. Camera lingered on Rollins just a little bit. I thought something was going to happen to him there. But nothing happened, and that's the way that segment came to a close. Now, what I would have done... Instead of McIntyre being on Judgment Day's War Games team, I would have absolutely booked another match with Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins. Maybe that is where we're going. Because I don't think we're going into the December month and into Royal Rumble without getting another match between these two. It absolutely needs to happen. The first match was great. I'd love to see another rematch between those two for the World Championship. But this was the precursor to what happened in the main event. Drew McIntyre trying to act like a good guy, but deep down, the prick McIntyre was ready to come out. We got a video package that aired on Tegan Knox's history of knee injuries. She said her career has often been defined based on her knee injuries. She said the last year has been crazy, and she has proven she can hang with the best of them. 
You know, video packages are great, but we're going to need more than video packages to get Tegan Knox over in front of the live audience. One-on-one, Tegan Knox went against Piper Niven. Just like I said about Zoe Stark, the indifference in this match, I could fucking taste it on my lips, sitting on my couch. Now, I was drinking a coffee during this match because I was afraid I was going to be put to sleep. I might have been on my second espresso. But Washington, D.C., when I tell you they couldn't give a single solitary shit about this match, I mean, that's an understatement. That's an understatement. Piper Niven is half of a tag team champion. You would think that fans would care. They don't. Tegan Knox has great babyface potential. They've done nothing to tap into that. Nothing. And Natalia's out there with Tegan Knox. Charisma vacuum is Natalia. Nobody gives a shit. The only things people care about in regards to Natalia are her Instagram pictures. That's it. Nobody gives a shit about what Natalia does on television. Tegan Knox wins in five minutes. If I watched one minute of this match, I'd be lying to you. Natalia did her best to get the crowd behind Knox. They didn't give a shit. Knox got some offense. Chelsea jumped on the apron right in front of the referee. This distraction allowed Piper to knock Tegan Knox down. Natalia then hits green, so Niven hit Natalia. That allowed Tegan Knox to hit Niven with the shiniest wizard. Niven got her leg on the rope to break up the pinfall. Niven tried to sit down on Knox. Knox moved out of the way, applied a crucifix pin. One, two, three, and I did the crucifix. Thanking God this match was over. Who gives a shit? Honestly. I want to see some ones in the live stream chat right now if you didn't give a shit about this match. Piper Niven's half of a tag team champion. You want me to take the tag team division seriously in the women? (laughs) Tag team division. What division? What division? You want me to take the tag team titles seriously? Meanwhile, you got one half of the tag team champions. Piper Niven, one half of the team that you think would win matches, losing. Chelsea Green can't win a fucking match to save her life. So now we got both members of the tag team championship team losing matches. They are better off burned, turned to fucking ash, and spread across my front lawn, the tag team titles. At least I'd have some nice fertilizer going into the winter season. Get them off my television. Then you got accounts on there who are strictly about women's wrestling, who praise this shit and want to see more women's wrestling. If this is what you ask for, fucking stick it up your pee hole. This shit sucks. And so do the titles. Absolutely the most meaningless, worthless set of hardware in the entire wrestling industry are the women's tag team titles. Matt Cardona, Chelsea's husband. Wearing those titles around Cardona's waist is the best thing that happened to the women's tag team titles. 
Get them off my TV. Jackie Redmond. And by the way, putting the women in storylines is not going to help them get over. At some point, you have to ask, is it Triple H? Because Triple H is featuring them on TV. Vince didn't feature them on TV. Is it Triple H? Or is it the fucking talent who's just not good enough to generate interest in the live audience? At some point, you're going to have to start asking. Now I'm starting to ask. Maybe it's Piper Niven. Maybe it's Chelsea Green. Maybe it's Tegan Knox. Maybe it's Natalia. Jackie Rudman interviewed The Miz. Rudman asked, what was driving Miz to go after Gunther? And the Intercontinental Championship. She said pressure is mounting for him to become a nine-time Intercontinental Champion. Miz said, a bus. It took me a long time, but I finally got myself a bus. He then shifted to being serious and said he's after respect. Ivar then walked in and called Miz a clown and a joke. He says he won't make it. Oh, that's a shoot, by the way. Ivar spoke no lies. A clown and a joke. He says he won't be able to make it to Survivor Series for his match with Gunther. Bronson Reed then walked in, says they're both lucky to be standing there. He said Gunther is lucky that he escaped having to face him. Ivar and Reed began arguing, and Miz ducked away and snuck away. Great. Don't know where we're going with this, but Miz is getting the title shot at Survivor Series. Tommaso Ciampa. He's out there with Johnny Gargano. He's got a match with Ludwig Kaiser. And Giovanni Vinci of Imperium. You know, normally... Normally, and this is where you could tell I'm just fucking shot from this show. Normally, I'd be, oh man, Champa. Love Champa. Love Gargano. Love Imperium. Love Vinci. Love Kaiser. Great. Love all four of those guys, man. Just fucking great pro wrestlers. You could tell I'm just, at this point, done. If I didn't give a shit about this match... I mean, there's something wrong with this show. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we've seen this before. Maybe it's a little too repetitive for my liking. This match went about 10 minutes. Wasn't bad. I just, I don't care. I don't care. So, Vinci, he's on the outside. Obviously, he's going to do whatever he can to help his boy Kaiser win the match. Champa was running the ropes. So Vinci tripped Champa from the outside. Ref wasn't really sure what happened, but Gargano let him know what happened. So the referee listens to Gargano and tosses Giovanni Vinci out from the ringside area. So Champa and Kaiser at that point had a good back and forth. He set it for the fairy tale ending, but Vinci suddenly reappeared through the crowd and he booted. Johnny Gargano at ringside. So Champa became distracted by this, 
So Kaiser rolled him up, hooked the tights from behind, and won the match. One, two, three, and Kaiser beats Champa by hooking the tights. The referee, by the way, saw Vinci was back out there after he kicked him away from ringside area and made the count anyway. Don't know why, but referees are always treated like fucking blithering idiots. Just once, I'd like for a referee to be taken seriously. Imagine that. He kicks Vinci away. Vinci comes back through the crowd. Big Boots Gargano causes a distraction from Champa. Referee clearly sees it and does nothing about it. Or maybe I'm just overly picky tonight. I don't know where they're going with this. I don't. I really don't. But I'm assuming this is leaning, leading towards some big tag team match with Gunther involved. Maybe we get Gargano, Champa, and The Miz teaming up against Imperium at some point. Doesn't really speak to me as, oh my God, man, I can't wait. We're going into a dead period, so it's innocent enough to get some quality TV time. Whatever. Judgment Day. They had a meeting backstage. Rhea Ripley sarcastically told Dom that maybe they should ask, ask their fearless leader what he thinks. Meaning Damian Priest, because Damian Priest already told Cody out there that he's the leader of Judgment Day. Meanwhile, they have no leaders. Dom looked at Priest and said, I thought we didn't make matches for each other. So clearly they're upset. Priest said he got hot and it was heated and said what he said, but they knew what he meant. Ripley said, it sounds good for war games. Balor and Dom agreed to put Priest in charge. Ripley said, J.D. McFish is getting medical help backstage. Balor says he's helped them time after time after time. And now it's his time. Ripley said that she would deliver the good news. Priest said, whoa, listen, if we're going to put this guy in Judgment Day, if we're going to make him official in Judgment Day, I'll go deliver the news. So Damian Priest wanted to go initiate and make it official with J.D. McDouble in Judgment Day. Great. Hold the mayo and hold the pickles, please. Zylee! Zia Lee. She's out there doing whatever the fuck she does for her entrance, Zia Lee. Crickets. All I heard was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crowd was dead for Zia Lee. Indy Hartwell. Man, oh man, this women's division, holy fucking shit, man. It's about, uh, it's about time we take that fucking, that, that pin and just pop the balloon on this division, man. Failure. Failure. Honestly. Just a complete waste of my time. Indy Hartwell. I mean, is, is, it, is it sound strategy that she got called up to the main roster? Honestly, I mean, who, who made that decision? She is as green as my neighbor's lawn 
And she is as dull as a game of Pac-Man. And I love me some Pac-Man, bro. But how, how much can you really take Pac-Man? Maybe a game before you said, fuck this shit, man. What the fuck am I playing? Holy fucking shit. Let me go walk over to NBA Jam. Are you fucking serious? Two minutes. Zaya struck Indy in the throat and landed a spinning wheel kick. Indy went down. She seemed out of it, and the referee called for the bell. Same thing that she did to Candice LeRae. So now we're booking Zia Lee to have two-minute squash matches, man. Yeah, that's really going to get the crowd behind Zia Lee. The fuck are we doing? Really? Hopeless. This women's division is hopeless. Pac-Man is great, but how long could you sit there and play fucking Pac-Man before you get bored? Seriously. I'm going to meander over to NBA Jam. I'm going to go meander over to WWF, the arcade game. I'm going to go play me some Mega Man or some fucking Castlevania. Something. Jesus Christ. Indy is garbage. The fuck is she doing here? She's got no character. None. None. Both of these ladies are as green as the fucking produce at my local stop and shop. What the fuck are we doing with them on TV? Can't wrestle, can't get over. The fuck does anybody care for? Becky tried to save the day here. She made her way down the ramp. She says they're not going to wait to fight on Zaya's time. She says... She's come around to Washington, D.C. because she's looking for a fight. She entered the ring. Zaya went to go attack. She ducked Zaya. Becky went for a manhandle slam. Daya, Daya. Yeah, I want to Daya by watching this fucking shit on my TV. Zaya ducked out of the ring and retreated. She shouted at Becky. Becky took the microphone again and said, you only got seven days to run because next week on Raw, you're going to face me. On Raw, welcome to the big time. Thanks for letting me know, Becky. I'll make sure to have my fucking pillow and my Andy's Mint ready for next week's Snooze Fest. Yeah, great. Zia Lee destroying all these women that don't mean shit to lose to Becky Lynch. Great. Wake me when it's over. Gunther. He congratulated The Miz for winning last week. You could tell I'm in some fucking mood tonight, man. This show sucked tonight. Yeah, more women's wrestling they, they, they asked for, right? More women's wrestling, right? All because NXT is doing wonders with their women's division and the fucking geeks down at the performance center don't know any better and everyone's over in front of fucking 200 people. That doesn't mean let's book half the fucking show tonight with women. 99% of which aren't even over. Gunther. He said fun and games are over for him. Meaning the Miz. 
Miss said Gunther will find out at Survivor Series the difference between longest running and greatest IC champion ever. By the way, you know, you know, a lot of fans are going to think the Miz is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Negative. I don't know where this discussion started. Gunther is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And before him, it was Shawn Michaels. Gunther vowed to give him the biggest beating he's ever received. Sign me up. We limp into, in, into hour three of Monday Night Raw. Limp. I'm on Vince McMahon's fucking cane at this point. Limping into hour three. Zoe Stark. Great. More Zoe. Told Shayna Baszler she should be getting the title shot, but she's always looking forward to her beating Ripley. Raquel Rodriguez walked in. She said Ripley will have her hands full. Nia Jax then walked in. <sighs> Jesus fucking Christ. Nia Jax walked in and said she's already squashed Stark and it should be her against Ripley at Survivor Series. She says they ganged up on her in the Battle Royal, but none of them can beat her one-on-one. Rodriguez said if she's so tough, she should be champion. She said nobody has really tested or pushed her. She told Jax she's not scared of her. Great. Thanks for the warning. So next week, we got Zaya Lee versus Becky Lynch and Raquel Rodriguez versus Nia Jax. Again, folks. I urge you to go to your local Bed Bath & Beyond if they're not out of business yet, or Macy's, buy yourself a fucking sleep number pillow and get ready for a snooze fest twice next week. Great. I'll have the maid put double Andy mints on your pillow. I'll even make you a hot cup of green tea. You'll be asleep in minutes. Ivar, my boy Ivar, one of my favorite parts in Monday Night Raw is what Ivar's been doing. He went one-on-one with The Miz as we continue to limp in hour three. Miz and Ivar went 11 minutes. Love how WWE's pretending to think that The Miz is now some sort of pro wrestler on the level of Gunther and the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And I'm going to show up on Monday Night Raw and be awarded Manager of the Year next week. Miz showed off some flashy offense, which was basically the same offense that he did last week in the Fatal 4-Way. DDT. We got a tilt-the-world DDT. A crossbody off the top rope. What did he do different this week against Ivar that he didn't do last week against all four guys. So, Ivar, he becomes distracted by Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed came out there, so Miz hit Ivar with a bulldog off the second rope. Miz charged at Ivar, but Ivar sat on him. Reed sat on a steel chair outside the ring and got a front row seat to watch the match. 
We go to commercial break. Ivar hit a backbreaker on The Miz and then a sit-out powerbomb on Mike for a two-count. Miz hit a DDT and followed with the I stole these kicks from Brian Danielson kicks. The crowd started to chant, yes, no. What else is he going to steal from Brian Danielson, might I add? Ivar distracted the ref as Valhalla gave Miz a cheap shot on the outside. Ivar hit a big roundhouse kick. He then followed with a world's strongest slam off the second turnbuckle. He pins Mike for a two count. Ivar then set up for the moonsault and became distracted by Bronson Reed again, who wasn't doing anything. Bronson Reed was sitting there and Ivar looked over at Bronson Reed and just magically became, (laughs) oh, look, it's Bronson Reed. Why don't you just do the fucking moonsault and win the match? Maybe you'd have a case as being number one contender for Gunther at Survivor Series. I don't know, sounds like a sound plan to me, Ivar. Miz slipped underneath Ivar, stacked him up, and hooked the legs with a leverage pin on the ropes. One, two, three, and Mike Mizanin pins the 350-pound Ivar on Raw, thanks to a nut distraction from Bronson Reed. Great. After the match, Reed ran over to Ivar, attacked him, laid him out, and delivered a tsunami off the top rope to Ivar. Poor Ivar. Are we getting Bronson Reed versus Ivar next week? I don't really care to see that. They're both heels. Why is one heel and Bronson Reed attacking Ivar, the other heel? Don't get it. Shouldn't everybody want to attack the Miz? Shouldn't they want to take out the Miz? He's the number one contender. The fuck are we attacking Ivar for? Damian Priest. This show sucks, by the way. This show was dog shit tonight. Damian Priest. He was backstage with J.D. McTriple. And gave McDonough an official jacket to welcome him to Judgment Day. J.D. McRib was thrilled. Priest says he can't stand him a lot of the time, but he's earned it. Balor walked in and congratulated McDouble, but he told him to leave the arena before Pierce goes nuts. Balor told Priest they are going to go show people why they are champions. Gunther. He was backstage with the rest of his boys in Imperium. Gunther told Kaiser and Vinci that they did a good job tonight. Kaiser said he showed everyone what he is all about. Gunther says, I wasn't talking about you, Kaiser. was talking about Giovanni Vinci. He says he won the match for Kaiser by sneaking back after being kicked out of the ringside area. He turned back to Kaiser and then glared at him. Kaiser was speechless while Vinci laughed at Kaiser. He then turned and asked, Jinder Mahal, 
Yes, Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal! Yes, Mahal walked into frame. Kaiser turned around and asked Mahal what his problem is. I don't know. Maybe you're on my fucking television. Jinder says he was there to see Adam Pearce, but he should choose his next move wisely. Looks like Jinder and Indos Share is back on television. God help our souls. It's exactly what we need on this show. More talent that's not over. The Creeds, Brutus, and Julius, they were backstage. They did not wrestle on tonight's show. They were backstage with Alpha Academy. They said maybe they need new training partners. Yes, I'm sure, I'm sure that's exactly what Shad Gable needs, new training partners. Gable says they won't abandon the Gable method. The Creed says they are aiming for the tag team titles because they're undefeated so far. Slow your roll, youngsters. Slow your roll. You won two fucking matches and you're brand new here, man. You just got here and you're not even through a fucking fourth of the cup of coffee that you ordered yet, man. Sit down, keep drinking, and go order yourself a fucking muffin. We're asking for tag team title shots already. What the fuck are we talking about? In walked the new day. And they said no one talks about those tag team titles without mentioning the new day. In the background, Ivy Nile was talking with Maxine Dupree. When I tell you that this came off, I swear to God, man, it's almost as if you put this dialogue into some AI computer-generated app. And that's the way Ivy Nile and Maxine Dupree's dialogue was reiterated and regurgitated back on television. I swear to Christ, man, I am so fucking pissed off at this show tonight, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, does promo class exist at the Performance Center? Or did they close that part of the fucking Performance Center down? Honestly. Ivy Nile, I swear to God, man, she sounded like chat GPT on fucking Raw tonight, man. Ivy Nile told Maxine, you did well last week. You eliminated Piper Niven. You eliminated a former champion. Who talks like that? I mean, is it that difficult to sound genuine and, I don't know, yourself? Do you talk to your friends and colleagues like that outside work? Maxine, no better. No better. Maxine said that makes her a champion because she eliminated a champion. Sorry, honey. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I would not put you in a fucking match if I was playing a fucking video game. Never mind real life. Ivy Nile agreed and called it girl math. Apparently they bonded. New Day and the Creeds with Alpha Academy, they're all enjoying Tozawa as he's gyrating with a replica Washington Commanders championship title. This is WWE's new thing. 
They go to every city because it's football season. They go to every city that they're in and whatever major city that they're in, they're flashing and shilling these replica football titles on Monday night. Great. I'll take the Jacksonville Jaguars belt. That doesn't exist. Tag team title match. Main event. Thank Christ. Damien Priest and Finn Balor. With the rest of Judgment Day banned from the building. Against Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. WWE Undisputed Tag Team Championship match. It's fine. I mean, it's tough to have a bad match when you got the talent of these four guys in the ring. It wasn't a bad match. It's probably the best fucking thing on the entire show. And by a long shot, was it the best thing on the entire show? So, Rhodes and Jay, they were in control. We go to commercial break. They were in control. Balor takes advantage and rakes Cody Rhodes in the eyes. Damian Priest distracted the referee, Judgment Day, kind of used some sly tactics to gain control again. Jay eventually made the hot tag, which I thought would be the other way around. I thought Jay would be beat up, and then Cody would make the hot tag, but it was the other way around. Jay got the hot tag, and the crowd yelled, yeet! With each strike, so they were yeeting. They were yeeting. With every strike that Jay made. Balor made a blind tag. Knocked down Jay with a clothesline outside the ring. Balor then threw Jay over the announce table. And they go to a second commercial break. Rhodes makes a hot tag. After the break. After Jay was being beat up. Hit Balor with a power slam. Hits the disaster kick. Cody jabbed that priest with his bionic elbow. Rhodes then super kicked Balor. Balor blocked the Cody cutter. Rhodes set up for the crossroads, but Balor blocked that too. Tagged in Damian Priest. Jay tagged back in, hit Priest with a big flying crossbody. Goes for the cover, gets a two count. Jay super kicked Priest and Balor and hit Priest with the Uso splash for the two count. Jay avoided a choke slam and super kicked Damian Priest. Priest at this point was not the legal man. Cody Rhodes hit Priest with a crossroads. So it looks like we're swinging the momentum back in the babyface's favor. Jay speared Balor, who was the legal man. And then they hit their 1D Cody Cutter combo, but Priest broke up the cover. Rhodes hit Priest with the suicide dive, but Priest shoved him into the ring post, and Priest then chokeslammed Rhodes on the apron. Jay wiped out both guys with a big flip dive over the top rope and threw Balor back in the ring, because Balor was the legal man. So, Drew McIntyre, Jay Uso is laying on the outside. He's sitting up on the outside. He's got his back against the apron. He looks up, and the camera looks over to the right. We're watching to the right. This was Jay's left. And there stands Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre's just standing there. He's got this nasty snarl on his face. He looks at Jay Uso. Jay Uso gets up. He eats a fucking Claymore kick right on the outside. McIntyre throws him in the ring. Balor covered Jay for the one, two, three. Judgment Day retains. Balor didn't know what the fuck was going on. Damian Priest didn't know what the fuck was going on. Drew McIntyre walked out. He claymored and walked out. Cody didn't know what to think. McIntyre walks up the aisleway, stands on the stage, and out comes Rhea Ripley from the back, offers her hand, and Drew McIntyre shakes Rhea Ripley's hand. 
The deal is now complete. The Judgment Day have made a deal with Drew McIntyre to keep the tag team titles on the Judgment Day, at least for now, because Judgment Day was banned from the building. But Sly Rhea Ripley did not let Adam Pearce get that far when he was about to kick her out of the building. See, some of this show actually I really liked. Some of this show I really liked. Judgment Day was kicked out of the building, meaning J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio. Rhea Ripley was in the ring. She was about to get kicked out as well because Adam Pearce was not having any of that in the beginning of the show. But she opted to argue with Zoe Stark. So that was dropped and forgotten. Rhea Ripley was not banned from the building. McIntyre and Rhea Ripley were backstage conducting business. Meanwhile, the match in the main event was not to have any of the Judgment Day out there. Rhea Ripley was not going to be out there because she made the deal with Drew McIntyre. McIntyre's not a part of Judgment Day. He helped them win and retain the titles. Now he's on the War Games team as the fifth man. I like it. It all made sense tonight. At least that made sense. Now McIntyre's the fifth man. The heel turn is finally complete. Maybe we get an explanation as to why next week. I'd love to see that. WWE's got to give us a reason as to why. You just can't have us interpret our own reason. I need to hear it from Drew. Why? Why shake Rhea's hand? Why turn your back on the fans that have been so loyal to you? Why go down this dark road? Why burn Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes? Why did you tell Seth Rollins one thing and then say to Rhea Ripley something else? That's what I want to know. When does Randy Orton come back? Do we get Randy Orton on Monday night or do we save him for Survivor Series? Does he come out as the mystery man? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how Triple H works it. But I thought this was great. The beginning was very good. The War Games tension was high. I like it. Tag team match didn't really mean much of anything, but it set up what we saw here in the main event. Drew McIntyre turned heel, joined Judgment Day, is on Judgment Day's team for War Games. Helped Judgment Day retain the tag team titles. Beginning was good. Ending was good with a great tag team match. Everything else in between. Holy fucking shit, man. If you could find another show as unimportant as this, it's going to be very difficult. This was one of the worst Raws. Some of the worst second, that, that second half of the first hour all the way up to the main event, some of the worst booked Raw of the entire year. Awful. Thank you guys very much for all your support. Really appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. We just had over a little uh, 2,000, a little over 2,000 in the venue tonight. Appreciate you guys. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We're hanging out at the end of the show, which is right now. And we'll go over whatever you guys want to talk about. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other content on the channel. There's plenty of it. More coming tomorrow. And myself and Andrew Baydala for episode 22 of Tuesday Night Titans tomorrow night. Thank you to my Twitch family. You guys watching on Twitch. Which is a waste of my time because I got a 
whole 11 viewers on Twitch, man. Thank you guys very much, man. Really appreciate you. Thanks for Twitch. Not showing the stream in the algorithms. Great. And tonight's show is sponsored by DraftKings. Make sure you guys go and check out DraftKings. Download the app. Use my promo code JD from NY. Bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets. Tyler. Well, they won 99. You think Shinsuke is talking about punk? No. No, I don't. MGM Bolin. 24 months. Finally with a golden microphone. Happy two years. Here's to many more, Chief. Really hope Gunther's theme wasn't messed with. Also, my lord, Chelsea Green was looking scrumptious tonight. Don't let Matt Cardona hear you, bro. Uh, no, Gunther's theme was not messed with. That was only some weird mix-up. Some weird mishmash for Ludwig Kaiser as he was wrestling singles tonight. Don't know why they did that. Michelle with the $2 Super Chat. Would it be a letdown if Orton is not on Team Cody? Yes. Absolutely. Fantasy Kid, 1977. 22 months. Two months from the golden microphone. I can't wait for my dark horse. Me neither, brother. Me neither. Hush. With a $2 super chat. Raw's women's division is dreadful. I don't know how they fix it. They don't. Nothing they do will be enough. Justin with a 15 months. 15 months. So close to that microphone. And all I got to say is where to go Drew McIntyre on turning heel finally. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. McIntyre has been one of the bright spots on Monday night. Hero with a $5 super chat. Becky does have history with damage control. The Raw after SummerSlam last year, they put her out of action. So her filling in the final spot makes sense. No, it doesn't. So you mean to tell me a year and a half of not having anything to do with damage control, all of a sudden it makes sense for her to be in war games. No, it doesn't. Deontay Smith with the 499. I attended Raw tonight. The dominant heat was real. I never said it wasn't. I never said it wasn't. Deontay. Comment like that is just as bad as the fucking low IQ geeks online. I never said the, the, the Dominic Hill isn't, the heat isn't real. You're not watching television while you're in the arena, are you? I am. I hear what I'm hearing on television. As if you guys don't think I'm smart enough to realize that my volume and what I'm listening to is being manipulated. I never said his heat wasn't real. It is real. He's just being fucked with on our end at home. The Piper Niven match killed the crowd and was pretty much dead until the main event. Oh, that you that you heard though, right? 
Chris with the 499. What's up, JD? I appreciate you as a wrestling fan and a podcaster, the absolute best in the IWC. Can't believe it's been 18 years since Eddie's death. And there'll never be another one. Thank you, Chris. Barry Allen BG. Five dollars super chat. CM Punk for Shinsuke Nakamura. Say something about it. I did. It's not happening. Lauren with a $2 super chat. There were Orton chants after Raw. Great. I don't need chance to know that Orton's coming back. Edward with a $4.99. Am I supposed to suspend all disbelief that the greatest heel and champion in NXT history loses on a roll-up to essentially a comedy wrestler? When did we start labeling Kaiser as a comedy wrestler? Chris with a 499, have you been playing the new COD? Yeah, it sucks. If so, what's your favorite map and weapon in the game? The Holger 556, and my favorite map is none of them because all of Modern Warfare 2's maps are shit. Now, if they remade Modern Warfare 3, I could give you my favorite maps. Village, Hard Hat, Dome. I enjoyed Modern Warfare 3 tremendously. Modern Warfare 2, I can't say the same. Some of the worst maps in the history of the franchise came off of Modern Warfare 2 OG. Furious Nation with a 499. What's up, JD? Today is 18 years since Eddie Guerrero sadly passing away. Miss him dearly, man. And there'll never be another Eddie Guerrero. Thank you guys very much for all your support. Appreciate you guys very much. Sorry if I was in a foul mood. We can thank uh, the fucking asshole in the chat who basically has a problem with me making money and making a living. Great. Tomorrow night, Andrew Baydell and myself will be live on Tuesday night with Tuesday Night Titans, episode 22, right here on OTS. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Continue to hit that thumbs up as well. Robert Grimsley with a five in Super Chat. Trish versus Rhea at the Rumbles, penciled in. How do you feel about that? Also, if you're a true wrestling fan, then you need to put respect on Trish's name. Uh, no, I don't. Trish should stay retired. No business being on television. And Trish versus Rhea? Hand me three Andy's mints. Thank you, Robert, for the five. Guys, go check out all the other content on the channel. I'll have more content coming tomorrow afternoon, as always, right here on OTS. Thank you for a great stream, and I'll see you back tomorrow with more right here on Off the Script. I'll see you guys later.